Welcome to another episode of the Art Podcast with Jen and Lindsay. I am Lindsay. How are you today, Jen? Doing great, Lindsay. How are you? Oh, hanging in there. I know both of our kids decided to give us a little bit of trouble this morning, but you have a Christmas miracle because yours went to school. And yeah, um, my Christmas that doesn't always, (laughs) that always doesn't mean it means tomorrow (laughs) at the most inopportune time, he'll be like, no. And then he'll stay home all day. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, uh, there's no rhyme or reason. We did a little drive around this morning. I was just talking to a parent yesterday too about how she's like driving her um, son around or daughter around in the car all the time. And I'm like, God, I remember when I used to do that for Jack because he just couldn't um, mm-hmm. transition. And then I was doing it this morning. And I was like, man. I thought we were like in a good space, but just when you think you're past something. Oh yeah. All of a sudden rears its ugly head. Last night, Whitman has been using my phone to communicate with Proloquo, which we are a hundred percent for. I will let him use my phone to communicate. Yeah. And he hit, I want, and I'm like, okay. Like I was expecting him to say a snack and he verbally goes, I need Kiki to go and he like headed towards the garage and I'm like no no you're 10 like you don't drive like nobody you don't have key keys to go in the car car like no what is this yeah you're in trouble lady because so we've been hiding we have our keys Jeremy hid his keys so well this morning he could not find them yeah so we're just it's December. Like we are counting down the days to January in the heat or like the middle of winter where mm. there isn't anything to do. We're not. I know. Next week is all shows. Viv had, she's the Grinch. They typecast that. I'm fairly certain <laughs> <laughs> for her, her dance. And then uh, Whitman has a speaking part in the Nutcracker. So I didn't know they spoke in the Nutcracker, but he gets to use his iPad and do a speaking part. And they have three performances. So I signed up to do costumes for one. Like, I just thought it was helping third graders get dressed, guys. It's not. Like, you have to pin things. They gave you a tutorial on how to do the soldier costumes. Yeah, I could have told you this. Never sign up. Yeah, it is. Well, I wanted a reason to like be way backstage where Whitman couldn't see me, so I could see him do it. And it's a performance for uh, the whole school, so Vivi will be there, and I want to watch and see Vivi's reaction when her brother does it because sometimes she doesn't. Sometimes she'll act very proud of him, but a lot of times she doesn't. And I just want to see like naturally what her reaction is so. I love that she's the Grinch it's like the perfect role for her she came running and it was like have you guys seen love actually yeah where yeah. like the girl was like so excited to be the crab in the nativity like that was Vivi's reaction I'm <laughs> Grinch and I'm just like awesome perfect well I am excited today because yes. we are going to be talking about something really important and we have a great guest so let's introduce Elena Bowers from Ooh, welcome Elena. Yeah, the Ohio Treasurer's Office is here this morning, Lindsay. So shape up, okay? Let's uh, <laughs> let's be professional. I know. I, I, I was going to say that's the most professional I've been in a while, guys. Like I feel like I'm <laughs> I'm running. I'm doing good. 
I know everyone is like, we're from the government, but I swear we're, you know, we're, I, you know, but we're, yeah, I'm excited to be here. And um, I know we, we connected earlier, right before we got on this call and we're sharing fun stories about both your kiddos. And I, I just, I love it and love hearing them and yeah. We're Thank hoping so we're not going to scare Elena off with all of our, no. she still, <laughs> she doesn't have kids. She wants kids. So we're yeah. really hoping that none of our stories have changed her mind on that. Yes. Now my mornings look way different than yours, but you know, there's, there's pros and cons to that, but I, I love hearing, I love hearing all the stories and admire any mom currently right now that's going through the Christmas uh, holiday yeah. things, you know? And so, yeah. I know. I, how many times have you used like the Santa Claus is not going <laughs> to bring you toys if you're not. Oh, we have the elf. And so I just go, Hey, sparkles. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> I know we got a new hot tub. And um, Jack is like loves the hot tub. So the elf on the shelf had like a little uh, towel around his waist this morning. And he was like trying to open the door to get out to the hot tub. (laughs) Jack, (laughs) he loved it. But Elena, let's talk about stable accounts. Yes, this is so amazing. Like I'm excited about this. Tell us what is a stable account first? Awesome. All right. So as I mentioned, I'm we're from the tre- Ohio Treasurer's Office. Um, Stable Account is a program administered by the Ohio Treasurer's Office. We launched over seven years ago, which is amazing. We I don't have the actual number as of today, but we surpassed 37,000 accounts last month, which is amazing that's because awesome. it means that that's 37 individuals that are, you know, saving and investing for their future. And those individuals are um, disabled in some capacity. So that's incredible. I do want to do want to highlight that number. Um, we are a national program. So um, when the ABLE Act was passed in 2014, which we can talk a little bit about that, because that story is incredible. And I know both of you know, some uh, self-advocates that led that charge in DC back in 2014. Um, we were the first state to launch. So we created the ABLE, our own ABLE program in the state of Ohio, and we called it STABLE. So there's currently 47 ABLE programs across the country. Um, As I mentioned, we were the first state to launch. So that's why we have account holders in every state, which is also wonderful. Um, But obviously being with the treasurer's office, I devote my time and um, my time during the week to interact with organizations across the state, disability affiliated organizations, school districts, Anyone that is, you know, connecting directly with those families in the disability community, we want to make sure they know what our program is. So um, love to be here. I love the Arc of Ohio and you, you, your organization has been such a champion for this program since we launched. Um, Gary Tonks is, is just an incredible individual that he has is. Really been so supportive of this program. And we've done presentations and webinars and different different pockets of Ohio. So this is a a great opportunity to talk more about that. Um, But what stable account is, is it is a savings and and investment account that eligible individuals can contribute into. The eligibility piece is that if you have a disability or disorder that was diagnosed before you were 26 years old. Now that is the beneficiary of the account. So obviously if, you know, I'm a mother and I have a daughter that's born with a disability when she's, you know, four years old or at four years old, I decide, you know what, I'm going to open a stable account for her because she has a disability that allows her to be eligible for a program. I can set up the account on her behalf and contribute into that account. 
-hmm. let's say she turns 18 and she's, you know, in the, in the capacity that she could actually have that account in her name, then that account could be transferred to her. But um, the beneficiary of the account the eligibility is if you have the disability or disorder before you were 26. Okay. Um, I do want to mention that um, that age 26 is actually going to bump up to 46 <laughs> in 2026. That's amazing. I love it. And that was the same, you know, grassroots legislative work that made stable accounts happen back in 2014 um, when they kind of, you know, put that 26 limit on on ABLE programs, all ABLE programs across the country you know, individuals, organizations, groups came together and said, we need to make a change about that. And so it took, you know, a few years for that to happen. And obviously 2026 is in a few years, but we're, we're proud of that. So we do like to mention that because that will open the door for a lot of individuals that are, you know, possibly in a physical um, disability after they turn 26, they were possibly diagnosed later on in life. So that's just going to be wonderful for us to, to see more accounts there. Um, and then the funds that are in the account can be used on qualified disability expenses. So we kind of just blanket that term as anything that relates to the disability that improves your independence, quality of life, your health, your wellness. And so it's a very broad term, um, but individuals can you know, save that money over time. Um, you can use those the funds in the account on day-to-day -day expenses. We have a fantastic visa card that you can use anywhere visas accepted. So families can create the account for their, their loved one, put money into it each year. In 10 years, you can, you know, use those month that use that money on, you know, kind of a big purchase or even just long-term goals. Or you can have an individual, an account holder that is, you know, very independent and they can use their funds on day-to-day -day expenses as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important to talk about that right there because. I thought when this was happening back in like 2014, 2015, like once it was passed, it was like a 529 because it is. It's, yes. Um, it's like, that's how it's structured, but you can use it because like, I'm always, you know, a lot of us think, well, what if my child doesn't go to college, you know, mm -hmm. or goes right. to college? So it's not just about using it for college. So let's make that really clear. This is yeah. about independence. This is about daily living expenses. Yes. Yep. The visa and in the visa card. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, is that if, let's say mom and dad open a 529 college savings plan, which is completely separate from a stable account, but it is a 529 program. So if you currently have an established 529 college savings plan through the state of Ohio, you can actually roll those funds over into a stable account. If down oh, the road, wow. well, you know, you feel my daughter's 17 and education is just not the right fit for her. And she also has a disability that makes her eligible for a stable account. You can take funds out of a 529 and put them in a stable account. And then those Great. funds can be used on, you know, really anything that's going to improve that individual's life, which is the list is very long. I will say yeah. it's a very, you know, broad term that all able programs kind of um, reference. So that's another thing that I did want to mention too, just because a lot of families, you know, do have those accounts created for their loved one at a young age and down the road, you know, circumstances might change, education is not the best route, but stable account can also have funds in the account. Those can be used on education as well. Yeah. So that's kind of a, a positive with it as well. Yeah. I mean, you can, I was reading down the list, like housing, rent, transportation, yeah. all the things that really matter to our families, employment training, support, assistive technology, 
um, personal support services, health, prevention, wellness, financial management, administrative services, legal fees, overnight and monitoring, funeral and burial costs. Like there's a lot included in there. So it seems to be very broad, which is great for our families because it's it just always seems like there's things that <laughs> that we yeah. need that we're always like worried that Mm-hmm. You know, like there's going to be something that we, but it seems like the more broad it is, the better. Yes. And the second piece with how important stable account is, and we can talk a little bit about the ABLE Act, but um, if, if an individual is currently on means tested benefits, such as SSI or Medicaid currently, they are made aware very quickly that there is a restriction on how much money that they can have to their name. Mm-hmm. So um, I know it's a case by case scenario and how much money an individual might receive from SSI or SS, the social security administration. Um, but if you are receiving SSI, there is a $2,000 resource limit mm-hmm. each month. So that's why stable accounts were exi- exist. That's why they were created. So back in 2014, the ABLE Act was passed. It stands for Achieving a Better Life Experience. And it took over 10 years for that act to pass. And I know, Diana Lindsay, I know you know some self-advocates, but we currently have an individual on our advisory board named Jennifer Cunningham, Jenny Cunningham. And Mm -hmm. she actually, over those years, she'd go down to DC. She would talk to legislators. I mean, she was right there at the front lines trying to make a case for the fact that there's so many individuals, yes, they're on benefits, but that $2,000 is very limiting and they should be able to save and invest their money just like anyone else can. So that's why the ABLE Act was created. So um, back in 2014, obviously the contribution limits were a little bit different, a little bit lower. Um, they've increased over time, but still that that money, that, that kind of protected account is what families and individuals can rely on. Any money that's in that account cannot be subject to um, loss. It, you won't lose your benefits. You won't lose your eligibility for SSI or Medicaid if you contribute into a stable account. That's exactly what it's for. So what I think most of us worry about when our um, kids become adults, like my kids are 13 and 11. So like we're already starting to plan for Jack, who's 13, and his transition um, and his employment. And um, we want to make sure that he doesn't have any limits on what he can do. And so I don't want him to think or us to think, well, if he does take this job that he'll lose his Medicaid um, or that we can't start like getting his SSI when he's 18 because he'll lose, he won't be able to keep a job then. And just keeping people poor in this poverty status is like what's limited the disability community for so, so long. So Mm -hmm. that is exactly. And the advocates I know that worked on ABLE and their families um, this is exactly the purpose is to make sure there are no limits to work in our community. What we are a employment first state here in Ohio. We mm-hmm. want to make sure that families um, are, you know, we're not, we're not doing all this work in school and to like fight for our kids rights in school, just so that they can like live um, a life without community and work and access, you know? So we want to like do all this work now so that they can have any opportunity that they want and not have to actually like limit themselves to like five hours a week or something because they might lose their benefits. So that's exactly 
what it's about. So Medicaid, Social Security, Social Security, disability insurance, and any other means-tested benefits um, yeah. are not assets that are counted. Um, mm-hmm. So you can have a stable accounts. So are there limits to how much you can save in a stable account? Yes. So if you um, if you have, it's about to go up to in 2024, the limits are going to increase just a little bit, but they do increase a little bit each year. Um, but for the 2023 contribution limits were if you were um, not working, just the base limit was $17,000. And then if you are um, working, it's an additional, you can contribute an additional 13590 So if you kind of look at it as, you know, in this kind of situation, you know, I'm a mom and my daughter is 21 years old and she has, she's, you know, working part-time and she's on SSI because she's on SSI, because she has a part-time job, she's receiving not only her SSI funds each month, but additional, you know, funds. And then maybe, you know, I'm contributing some money to her account as well. She would lose her eligibility for SSI if she did not have a stable account, because she would most likely go over that resource limit of $2,000 each month. If she has a stable account, she can contribute not only her SSI funds into the account, she can contribute her paycheck. And also I can contribute into it. So she can have up to $17,000 in that account each year. And that money over time can grow each, each year. So a lot of families, you know, max out that kind of base 17,000, but we knew, we know so many account holders who are working. They're incredibly proud to work. They want to be in the community. They should be in the community. And if they're on those benefits, there should not be, as you mentioned, any limitations or, um, restrictions for them to be, to have that empowerment, just like you and I do. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that, you know, as much as there's contribution limits, it is way more than it's ever been when we launched the program. And it, it really, that money over time can be used for day-to-day expenses or, you know, long-term goals as well that families can, can really start planning for and relying on for their loved one, especially during that transition period. I mean, I think, you know, what I've seen recently is that there's so many young adults that they graduate from high school. They're maybe in that transition period of what am I going to do next? And they're starting to learn financial planning and, and just kind of that, you know, responsibility. So if they know about stable account, mom and dad or, you know, grandma and grandpa, they can still oversee the account, help them out a little bit, but teach them about what stable account is and know that they can rely on that as well. Can you earn interest on your stable account and what are the tax consequences? Yes. So the the program is a savings and investment account. So when you do create your stable account, when you start making contributions, our our portal or online portal, which we'll, you know, we'll talk about kind of how you can, you know, use and manage the account. Um, But every time you make a contribution into the account, it's going to ask you how you want to disperse those funds. So you can choose the bank safe option, which is just kind of a, a normal savings account, getting a little bit of a good return right now, or you can choose from four um, mutual funds, which are obviously investment, um, more of the investment side. Um, the beneficiaries of the account, they can earn interest from those investments. Obviously, we do encourage families to you know, kind of learn more about what those investments are, our website has a ton of information about what those and what those investment accounts look like. We encourage families to also maybe, you know, learn more about financial planning if you do decide the investment side. But any interest earned from those investment accounts do not count towards 
the um, the beneficiaries' um, contribution limits for the year. Um, and then the money in the account is obviously supposed to be used for qualified disability expenses. If for some reason you you know are under an, an audit, or if the IRS feels that you made um, an ex, uh, an expense an expense was made and it was not towards a qualified disability expense, you could be subject to a fine just for that transaction. In the history of our program, we've never had anyone come to our program and say, "Hey, I'm being audited and I need you know my statements." But we do want families and individuals to be mindful of. If you are having a stable account, be be mindful of keeping track of your receipts and, and your spending, which, you know, we we have resources for that, which we can talk about. But, um, yeah, all the, the money in there, there, it could be subject to um, interest if you do choose the investment side. Yeah, I like that they could be, be like a mutual fund because the interest rates are good right now. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're amazing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I don't give any investment advice. I just want to. <laughs> yeah. Stop right there. <laughs> so please go to our website, take a look, talk to a, a professional. But, um, but yeah, it, it does give you know that second side to it is that yes, this is a savings program. Um, obviously, you know, money that's in any type of savings account can grow over time. But if you are going to utilize the investment side of it, there's some perks there. Um, that's you know empowering for individuals that may not have been able to explore that before. So we do encourage families to take the time to look into that. Um, but it's a kind of a second side to the program as well. If somebody's getting started, um, how do they know if they're eligible? So there's two pieces of the eligibility. So the number one is that if you have the, if the disability or disorder was diagnosed before 26, so you don't have to be under 26. We have account holders that are, you know, well into their fifties and sixties, but they were born with a disability that, you know, they were receiving care for. Um, the second piece is if that disability or disorder allows you to be eligible for SSI or Medicaid or SSDI. You don't have to be on means-tested benefits to have a stable account. It's just that if you happen to be on those um, benefits, it's important to know that we are an incredible resource so that you don't go over your, your asset limit. Um, but a lot of families, you know, they have a very young, you know, child and they're born with a disability that will be with them for the rest of their life. And at that time, they don't need to necessarily have them be on benefits. So we want to make sure families know that you don't have to be on benefits to have a stable account. Um, but our website has an eligibility quiz that is helpful. Mm -hmm. um, just I think some individuals, they might not know if, if their disability fits a criteria. Obviously, in 2023, disability looks differently than it's ever looked before. And there's a lot more support for individuals with cognitive disabilities as well. So we want to make sure that families also know that, yes, a cognitive disability or a mental disability could qualify you to have a stable account as well. Okay. Um, so if you have like a special needs trust, why yes. do you need a stable account? Great question. We love special needs trusts. Um, special needs trusts are great. There's there's some um, some great guardianship and special needs trusts of state attorneys across across the state that, that support obviously their, their product and their services, but the ones that we've connected with are huge advocates of stable account because they're very complementary towards one another. So if you create a special needs trust for your loved one, that's obviously done privately. Um, the cost is different. Um, the usage is different. And that's kind of more for larger amounts of money that you might want to take in and out of over time. Um, but a, a stable account is more for kind of the, the current day, 
you know, and you can actually have funds go from a special needs trust into a stable account as well. And then those funds in the stable account can be used. Um, they could be accessed more efficiently than a special needs trust. So we like to mention that they're both, there's no pros and cons to either, but they're just, they're, they're very much complementary towards one another. And, um, you know, the funds in, this, in a stable account, those can be accessed through the Visa card as well for day-to-day -day expenses. Um, I don't know the process of obtaining funds from a special needs trust. I don't know if there's kind of a, a, a wait period for that, but obviously if you have a stable account, and having the visa card, you can access those funds um, easier. So we encourage families to to research that in, in in Ohio, just because there's so many great resources for special needs trust. And I encourage families to think about having both for different purposes. Good. We both attended the adult summit for people with Down syndrome here in Cincinnati. Um, this was NDSS's. Um, the National Down Syndrome Society's uh, huge adult conference. Um, and it's always every year, uh, if I can go, I, my child with Down syndrome is 11, but I always try to go and at least pop my head in or sit on a panel or at least try to go to the dance party um, because it's such a great conference. If you have never been, I strongly encourage you as a parent or a person with Down syndrome or even an, um, any intellectual disability to go because there's so many great uh, people there. Elena was there. Um, a lot of uh, self-advocates were there. There's a lot of policy talks. And so Lindsay and I are very policy nerdy. Um, mm -hmm. We wanted to know what you... So ABLE has gone through a few iterations. You know, obviously it was passed in 2014 and then the ABLE to Work was passed here pretty recently, right? Just a couple of few years ago. And it was a few years after the ABLE Act was passed. I don't know the actual year, but that was the second initiative that obviously, you know, the first ABLE Act was passed and that was great. But then of course, you know, with account holders working, they're going to be wanting to contribute a lot more. So that was that second act. Yes. Yeah. And like the financial piece to um, being an independent like everything that the NDSS tries to do for people for adults with disabilities and what we are trying to do here at the ARC um, is always trying to advocate for policy that makes it easier to be in your community living and working in your community and so why is this so important I guess and what do you think like have you heard any success stories or um, obviously you have like what's your a good story to tell of like a, a person who you know, opened up a Staples account or maybe um, just didn't know a whole lot about it. And then really like uh, it was, it's really been supportive for their story and for their family. I have so many stories. <laughs> <laughs> so many. I know. I, well, I, and I just think, you know, we are just, I always say this, but we're just a piece of the puzzle. I mean, we are in 2023. I'm just, I'm, I'm so inspired and blown away by how supportive the disability community is and they're, you know, deployed to school districts there, you know, you, you go to nationwide children's hospital and they've got social workers there. They have Medicaid referral folks there. I mean, there's just, there's so many pieces and so many people devoting their career to helping individuals and families with disabilities that's never existed more than it ever has in this year. And maybe just because I'm in this program and I see it more, but I'm just, I, I just, I'm just blown away by how connected everyone is and and just uplifting. So being at that conference, it was, I just was so inspired by seeing 
just number one, that that conference exists and that that's a way that, you know, they're welcoming that, that age frame. I mean, there was, you know, individuals in their, you know, college age, and then there was, you know, the older individuals. And so just different, providing different resources and support for them was great. Um, but we are just, you know, we're a piece of that puzzle. And I think with, you know, outside of the financial side of it, we want families to know that this is a huge, important piece to the well-being of their loved one. Because as much as it's important to get support in school, support with their doctor, support with the residential services, the financial side of it is the most important piece, in my opinion, because you should not be worried while you're dealing with everything else going on. Mm -hmm. You should not ever be worried about I don't want to lose my benefits. We worked so hard to get on benefits and I don't want to lose them. I don't want my daughter to lose them. I want my daughter to have, you know, $20,000 that she can pull out of in five years when she's living in a group home setting. You know, that's what, that's what I think is so important about this. And, and, you know, I think benefits are an important piece of an individual's um, life, but also working too. And so um, we've been able to connect with some great businesses and organizations in the state that make a point to just hire those in the disability community. And then mm -hmm. while they bring them on and while they onboard them, they say, have you heard about Sable account? And so they're doing the work for, for our program because they know how important it is to be able to offer that if that individual is working as well. Um, and I could name so many, but there's just, you know, just seeing that in the kind of the, the business side is just, is inspiring because they know that that's setting the standard of saying, these individuals that want to work should work and we're going to bring them on and, and have them be, you know, empowered by bringing in their own paycheck. And I think that's just so cool to see. Um, but specifically at NDSS, he wasn't there this week, this at that weekend. Um, but his name is Kyle McKay. He is, do you know him at, at the yeah, I met him. Yep. Yeah. He wasn't there that weekend though. I was surprised because he's so, uh, he's so social, but I was um, hoping to see him there, but I met him so last March, we were at the State House for Advocacy Day. Mm -hmm. I think they do it every March. I think March 1st is, I think, when they have it every, but that was the first time that we all were there. Um, and we were setting up our booth, and he just came over and just started taking my picture, which I was like, okay, you know, all right, what, hey, what's up, you know? And and then uh, he didn't say anything, and then he just slid me his business card, and I looked at it, and it said Kyle McKay Photography, and I was like, Oh, you're a photographer. That's wonderful. And we were talking about it and then learned to find out that he's an employee of DeSacco, which is the Down Syndrome Association of Central Ohio. Um, and he's their staff photographer, but he mm -hmm. also has his own photography business. So he has two sources of income, which is a, which is wonderful. Um, and then he just said, I have a Sable account. I love my Sable account. And I said, well, I want to tell your story because Number one, you're an entrepreneur, which is inspiring, and you're utilizing the account to, you know, he's used it on his housing, he's, he's used it on his business, he's been able to purchase things for his business, and I also think it's just so incredible that DeSacco, they're incredible, I love DeSacco, shout out to DeSacco, um, but that they are, you know, wanting to empower him to be part of their their office and community and that they put him in the community to take pictures and believe in him and trust him. And I just, I just think that that's so inspiring. And, and um, there's so many individuals that are, that are just like Kyle that, you know, have a dream and, and doesn't even matter if he's receiving benefits and, and worried about that, that fear of the spend down with, with having on benefits, but the fact that he's been able to be empowered enough to, 
you know, take on this achievement and, and dream and also have a stable account is, is just really cool and got to meet his mom as well and hear some of her stories and just hearing her perspective on, I'm proud of my son for having this dream and this job, but also that he's able to have kind of this safe safety net because it is, it is a sacred protected account that no matter how much you put in, as long as you're below, below the contribution limits, you will not lose your eligibility for benefits. So she's, you know, proud that that is kind of that protected account that he can rely on. It helps you sleep easier at night, to be honest. Like one of the things that we always are talking about, and it's, I know it's kind of like grim, but like, what's going to happen to my kids when I'm no longer here? And, you know, Medicaid and Social Security only goes so far. I want my kids to actually be able to continue living in their community and um, make sure that they're okay. And this is a huge piece to the puzzle. And I know it seems like um, sometimes we just have a lot going on as families, especially like you were saying, like, I mean, you have the early intervention stuff you got to do at the beginning, then you're in school, you're doing all of that. And, you know, just, it's a lot, but this is like, once you get this done, like once you sign up for this and go and figure out some of your financial planning, like you can sleep easier knowing that that's in place and that your benefits and yes, getting the waiver is so hard. Going through the SSI process is so difficult. So you don't want to lose it. And another thing is, you know, and I'll, I'll you know, write, wind this up because I know we're at time, but I, I want to make sure that people know that um, as we deal with subminimum wage here in Ohio and trying to get rid of um, some of the subminimum wage um, laws across the country, that um, keeping people at a really low wage is no longer necessary. We don't have to do this anymore. You can keep your benefits and make minimum wage or more. And so that's, it's kind of like it took, like ABLE took that off the table. So we cling on to some of these like old practices because there was good intention behind it. There was good intention to have people get into the community and work. and you know, but the, the thing is, is that we all want to kind of enter this new generation and what, you know, what we did in like the 2000s and 2014 with ABLE is kind of like move past the old and into, you know, what all of us are doing for our kids and what this new generation of self-advocates and um, what we can learn from people with autism and um, intellectual disabilities through their work they can do anything. Like there's no limit to what my son or Evie can do with their life. And I think Evie's probably going to be an entrepreneur as well, because there's nobody that's going to be able to tell her no, or like what to do. She's going to have to <laughs> have her own business. So it's really important. If you're an entrepreneur, you have to have your budget and you have to have your um, financial planning set up. And this is a perfect tool. So Alina, I want to thank you for bringing this to us. And just can you give us like all the resources so that everybody can like get their pen out and write things down and make sure you know where to go? Yeah. So we obviously in 2023, going in 2024, we we always encourage going to our website and, and doing and managing the account on um, our website. It's very accessible, accessibly friendly. Um, so much support around the portal and, and just very, very clean and easy to, to manage if you use our online feature. So we're at stableaccount.com. It is the only place you can enroll as well. So um, right when you go to our page, there's an, a top right, there's an, uh, you know, en enroll now. That's where our eligibility quiz is listed there. 
Um, and then, um, as I mentioned, the beneficiary. So if you are, you know, the individual with a disability and you're uh, able to open the account um, on your own, go to the website, open the account. But if mom and dad um, or um, there's other individuals that can open the account, there's kind of a list on our website. They're called authorized legal representatives. So, you know, guardian, grandma, you know, aunt, uncle, brother, spouse, they can open the account on behalf of the individual with the disability as well. So stableaccount.com has all of that. We have a great two minute um, um, enrollment video that we produced in house as well that we always encourage um, families to look at as well. And then um, we also have a paper process as well. So if families or you know organizations would prefer to um, you know do do the kind of the mail in process, you can go to our website, download the forms, print those out, mail those in. Um, if you do the online process, it takes less than 10 minutes. That is a fact. A, a mom told me that. So I'm believing her. If you have everything correct, a uh, name, you know, social security number and all the right, you know, identification, it takes 10 minutes to create the account. Now so, you're talking, Elena. That's what I, I like. Know, to hear. No, I know because I know that, that some things out, out outside of that cannot take 10 minutes. Um, mm -hmm. as know. So, um, and then of course, anytime that you, are on the enrollment process, even when you sign in and look at your portal and you're wondering what different you know sections are, we have a fantastic customer service uh, number as well. Um, that is 1-800, I don't know if I heard, I'm reading it, 1-800-439-1653. Uh, um, they're amazing. They can walk you through any process. And then um, I'm gonna share my email or I can also share a program email as well. I'm sure the program email, um, but team, team, at stableaccount.com. That is our um, individual program email in the Ohio Treasurer's office. So any specific questions that you have, you know, about your situation, or, you know, if you want to have us attend something that's, you know, at your school district or your organization, please reach out. We love our organizations. We love our partners. We are just so proud to be part of, of this world and, and cannot wait to just talk more about this to families that have never heard of us before and could definitely use this as a resource. So. Perfect. Yep. Well, thank you so much. And we yeah. will talk to everyone soon. Thank you. Yep. Thank you so much.